Welcome to Yours, Mine, and Ours. I'm your host, Gabrielle Cardona, and I've had this show for about six months now. January 15th was the date of my first show on BBS Radio, and I've had a couple different things going on in my different shows, talking about different subjects. Basically, my show is about relationships and how to have success. But a lot of people have brought up different things, some about technology, you know, some issues that, well, you know, this works well and this doesn't when you're doing a a live presentation or if you're on the website, well, can we call in the radio station? Well, I couldn't quite listen to it at that time, but I heard your show in the archives and I said, okay, look, truth is there are a lot of people out there who want to know a lot of different things about a lot of different subjects, but from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday isn't necessarily a convenient time for them to just call in and and ask me their questions. So I've had a couple of different ways that I've been reaching out to people. I have about 18,000 connections on LinkedIn, and I've, I've posted information about my show. I have several children who are very socially active in social media, and they've mentioned different subjects of different shows that I've had. And and what I just decided to do today is open up the lines to my listeners. Anyone who has a question about relationships, just in general, how to be successful, how to be happy, is more than welcome to call in. My, my fabulous producer, Doug, he's going to be screening the calls and forwarding them to me, letting me know who you are and what you are interested in talking about. Um, the number to this station is 888 888- Six two seven six zero zero eight, and I've had a couple of people who earlier in the week said, "Yes, I have a question that I want to ask you." Well, okay, sometimes people don't really want to be on the air, so <laughs> let me just remind all of my listeners that we also have what's called a shout box on the website bbsradio.com/slash/yours/mine/and/ours. The three, yours, mine, and ours, four words, all as one word. On the left side of the page, um, the shout box is right below where it says home. You can go ahead, type your message, type your name, and, and chat, basically. So I'll be looking at that every so often. And T, okay, here, let me put this over here. Trying to keep my screen in a way. We gotta love technology. I'm still getting comfortable with technology. Um, So what I'd like to explain a little bit also today is about myself as a person, a little bit about my background, my individual just in life background, what really brought me to relationship coaching and some of my personal beliefs that I've alluded to in other shows but never really expounded on because I had a specific topic in mind that I was trying to get some real good information out there about So, a little bit about myself. Um, I actually was a very strange child. Some people would call it special. Some people would call it high maintenance. Yeah, no, I was just weird. My mom actually took me to um, different kinds of therapists and counselors and um, she tried some alternative sort of treatments. I was on a special um, non-dairy diet. I I actually went to an acupuncturist. (laughs) She didn't use needles. She used electricity to try to get my my energy balanced, right? You get your, your whole soul balanced by getting your health, 
with your energy going in good directions. Well, yeah, that's some pretty good stuff. And I still, even to this day, I, I do believe it, but it didn't quite fix me. They tried medications. Now, a counselor is not the same as a therapist, is not the same as a psychiatrist. You know what? I even went to a neurologist and they hooked me up to EEGs. And they, you know what? Inevitably, they came back to my mom and said, yeah, no, yeah, she's weird, but sorry, we can't fix her. Here you go. And here's my bill. <laughs> and so one day when I was in, in fourth grade, we took a personality profile test. And I thought, you know, this I, this is just my mother trying to get someone to tell her what, what's wrong with me again. But you know what? I'm just going to have some fun here. I'm going to answer really bizarre answers and, and try and make them think that maybe I need to be institutionalized. Well, the questions weren't that bad. They were actually kind of cool. So I just thought, well, what the heck? I'll just answer this real, you know, honest answers and see what happens. Well, as I got my results back, I looked at it. I was thinking, wow, this is actually kind of accurate. Not, not only was this accurate, but this was actually kind of good. This was describing me, things about me and the way that I think and the way that I feel in an almost flattering light. I kind of liked myself when I was done reading this, this description of my personality. And I thought, wow, maybe this is kind of cool. Maybe I just happen to have a really weird personality that has a lot of good qualities that just aren't really appreciated by the general population. And you know what? As I went through junior high and high school, I started to really understand that this personality profile system had a certain philosophy to it, and there was some substance to it. So I used it sometimes in my relationships when I wanted to understand other people. Because I'll be honest with you, bottom line, INTP, that's what I am. I'm an INTP. We're horrible at relationships. We're horrible at reading people. We don't understand what most people in the general population generally, genuinely need from other people because we don't need those kinds of things. So when I was able to read about those things and ask people questions and observe their behavior, I was fascinated. People were really cool. Nothing that I could ever relate to because, again, I was so weird. But I did find them entertaining and intriguing. And then I got married to an amazing man. And all of the things that his personality profile told me from the very beginning, ESTP, he was to the letter. And it was so great. The great part really about him being with me is that we were similar enough to have fun together and be very complimentary to each other, but different enough to keep life interesting. So I said, hmm, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and use this, this kind of approach, right, approach to my marriage. Whenever I had a question or I needed to understand something, I could just go ahead and do a little bit of research on ESTP. Ah, but then he was Mexican. So then you had to factor that into it. Okay, well, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, I'm not prejudiced. Half of my friends when I was growing up were Mexican. Well, but you know what? The exact same behavior in a different context, in a different setting, can 
display itself in a different way. That really made me appreciate how amazing humans are also because nurture doesn't change your nature. It just kind of tempers maybe the way it displays itself. So as I, I raised my children, I have three children, I profiled all of them. I knew all of their personalities by the time they were about six months old, about a year I had it down pretty pretty certain. I wasn't going to make any firm decisions until I knew that that's exactly what they were. And you know what? The great thing about that, people are born with a personality. It's really cool how you have certain tendencies and certain um, preferences and certain inclinations even from the time that you were born. Studies have shown that you have a personality even before you are born. And so I thought, well, thank goodness, because you know what? INTP, let me tell you, listeners, another thing about myself, I don't have one maternal bone in my body. I am so bad at being a mother. <laughs> the only reason I was able to even barely succeed as a mother was because I understood that when my ESFJ son did something my ISTP son could do the exact same thing for a totally different reason, and it needed a totally different response. And then my INFJ daughter really was something different from me in a major way as a woman, right? Even as a young woman from the age of three, four, five years old, she had certain things in common with me, right, as the female race, but the differences, the things that, about her that were amazing and that I loved and, and that I admired, I realized about 10 years into my marriage, I still had a lot of growing up to do and my kids were probably going to be the, kid, the people raising me. And that was kind of fun too. So one of the things that I tell people who are looking to me for coaching, well, the difference between coaching and counseling is I really truly don't believe in a lot of what mental health, the mental health industry in the United States describes and claims and promotes in the way of mental health. I don't think that most people who go to counselors are actually mentally ill. I think what they want is just an answer to the questions that they have. So I decided instead of being a shrink, because you know what? I went to so many different therapists and counselors and shrinks and psychiatrists. I could have been a shrink by the time I was 24. I decided I actually wanted to help people become successful and happy in their life without pharmaceuticals, because I'll tell you right now, I think about 90% of the people who are taking pills don't need them, okay? And if they really do want help, if they do have a question, they deserve a specific answer in a pointed way that will help equip them for success. So that's what I decided to do. Now, what I have to do for people is help them understand and accept and appreciate themselves. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and help people succeed because a coach. Well, at that time, this was about 15 years ago when I started my practice. What's a life coach? Hmm. Well, 
you could just randomly pull five names out of the the pool of coaches in the, the United States at that time. It could be someone who is basically a multi-level marketing scam artist selling you a powder to add to your milkshakes that will help you lose weight and make you a million dollars. Okay, or it could be someone who just came back, a guru who just came back from India who can teach transcendental meditation and give you a great out-of-body experience. Or it could be someone who's going to help you get a million dollars by having this program to, you know, be successful in life, a life coach. If you want a real life, you need a lot of money and you're going to have a lot of influence. Be successful. Okay, yeah, no, I wasn't really that either. So (laughs) when I thought about a coach, well, what does a coach help someone do? It helps them score. The coach gives you a strategy. They give you a... Um, game plan. They help equip you not only with the skill that you need, but they give you the support and the encouragement that you need in the process of getting really good, mastering this skill, and then reaching your goal, having all of the things that you need when you need them. So when I started, my first client was in Phoenix. And I said to my husband, the first, the first day I actually walked out the door as a life coach, I had my license, I had my um, business cards, I had my office space, I had the website. My husband said, honey, do you have any idea what you're doing? I said, no, but I think I will when it happens. <laughs> and again, that's sort of another INTP thing. Um, my first client was a man in Starbucks when we were standing at the little condiment bar and preparing our drinks, he said, uh, hi, um, what do you do? And I said, ooh, ooh, this is good, this is good. I said, "Uh, I'm a life coach. What do you do? He said, I'm a lawyer. And he said, hmm, what's a life coach? And I thought, okay, you know, i got to come up with something good here. I said, well, basically I, I teach people how to be successful in their life, teach them how to score by uh, maximizing their skills and talents in order to achieve their goals. And he said, wow, that's pretty good. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, you know, actually it means that you need to know what, what success is for you. What does it feel like to score? Because one thing that's success for one person isn't really success for someone else. And, you know, just because you're successful on paper doesn't even necessarily mean you're going to be happy. And he said, oh, how much do you charge? And I thought, oh my God, did I just get a client? (laughs) Did I just get a client when I wasn't looking? This is so exciting. So stay calm, stay calm. I very calmly said, "Mm, $60 an hour. And I know most people can't afford that. So, And I was about to just talk myself down into a sliding scale offer. (laughs) And he said, hey, if you can tell me why I have a perfect life and I'm still not happy, I'll absolutely give you $60 an hour. And I said, okay, well, here's my card. (laughs) And I walked out. My husband was standing around the corner and I was so excited. I was so excited. I I jumped on top of him and I said, baby, I think I just got a client. This is so cool. This is so exciting. This man was raised Mormon. Okay. So he had an amazing family. I'm sorry, but they are just like some of the best quality people on the planet because they are very much about community. 
And he was very good looking, so he got attention from women. He had a position of power. He was actually the assistant district attorney for the city of Phoenix. Okay, so he also had some money. And he really did know what he was doing, and he was very good at his job. His question was, why, if my life on paper is perfect, do I still not have happiness? I have success. Why don't I have happiness? Well, so of course, what's the first thing I did? I profiled his personality. Yeah, he was an INTJ. So you know what? He really needed to not be working for the city. He needed to um, not be making a lot of money. He needed to have his own independent lifestyle. He needed to do things in a, a just a different way, not necessarily different things, just in a different way. Because a lot of what NTs like myself and this gentleman want the things that we want and that we need in life are about having the the mental challenge, the interest of research. We have a lot of the demands of being smart and being resourceful and being um, good problem solvers. Well, you know what? He ended up being a professor. Well, wait a minute. How... Well, I went over that in one of my shows a few weeks back. It's called Functional Order. But the fact is, when he came to me, he actually said, I just want to know what would make me happy. Well, you know what? It didn't take very long because he was not mentally ill. Most people who want to be happy, they just have a few questions, unanswered questions in their mind, or they have been given inaccurate information. And that's another thing I want to let my listeners know about me. A lot of the information that the media, the American society in general, the philosophy of the general population is very, very unhealthy, in my opinion. It's very um, counterproductive, and it is almost going to guarantee unhappiness, even if success still unhappiness. So I'm going to let my listeners know again. I had a couple people who said they were going to call in and ask a question in case you didn't get the number you wanted again. The number is 888-627-6008. And let me go ahead and refresh the shout box. I'm not seeing anybody has written anything yet. Okay, so I'm going to go on to the next thing about myself just to let the listeners know a little bit about me and my, my background. One one of my colleagues actually on LinkedIn did ask me to talk about feminism and why I have written several articles and made several comments about how when it comes to as a general society, I do not agree with American feminism as a principle, as a concept, because I think it's very counterproductive to the human spirit. I believe it was established maybe, you know, the early, early 20th century with good intentions by really good women who had a purpose, a genuinely benevolent purpose of getting women to have the respect that they deserve and the dignity that they deserve and the consideration, the appreciation that they deserve. Because you know what? Women are amazing people. We have a lot of talent and a lot of skill. We have a lot of love and energy and resources. We're pretty amazing creatures. 
But sometimes, you know what? Men don't appreciate that. It's true. Sometimes men are pigs and they're disrespectful and they do not um, appreciate women and they think they're the center of the universe. Sometimes they just are too dumb to know any better. Well, you know what? I think that what happened over the years through the development of the feminist movement, a lot of people started to miss the original point of maybe that that social movement and something happened where the American philosophy of it's my right kind of took over and corrupted it. And so Americans really do love that freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. And then somewhere along the way, it got twisted into, I'm going to fight with you. I'm, I'm actually just going to fight with you for the sake of fighting. And a lot of the, the female population that I grew up with, I was born in 1976, a lot of the female population that I grew up with, we never had the abuse from men that maybe the women who started feminism had. We did not have oppression. We did not have social pressure. We did not have, we had a lot of things already handed to us. But when we were growing up around a bunch of women who were fighting for their cause and equality and equal pay and my position and my power, it actually created and encouraged continued conflict, not only between the genders, right, between men and women, but even between women. And that's one of the things that I really want my listeners to know about me personally is that I don't think that any kind of philosophy or value system that creates division between people is a good thing. And I don't think, bottom line, I don't think most men are bad people. I don't think they are disrespectful to women. I think men love women. I think men appreciate women. I think men value women very much. And the only thing really that men, okay, I'll say maybe after the 70s, no, not really the 80s, they really have a problem with is women who just want to fight all the time. So let's take an inventory right now at how many of the women in this country who want equality between the sexes have actually personally experienced any kind of mistreatment from men in the way that the original feminists felt that they had experienced it. They don't. They absolutely don't. Men now are afraid of women. They're scared to death of women because women have become ferocious. They've become aggressive and confrontational and angry. And you know what? Here's another thing about what I genuinely believe. Women don't want to be equal to men because we're not equal. In order to be equal, we have to be the same. Men and women are not the same. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Well, no, actually, you know what? It's uh, comparing an apple and uh, a skunk. <laughs> we're, not, we're not even the same. We're not even the same kind of life, okay? 
when you're talking about what women are and what men are, we are so completely different. We cannot even be compared to each other. How can you then say, I'm not going to be happy until I have everything that you have? But you know what? The things that that other person, that other that other subject has aren't even things that are good for you. Let's take a look at this, ladies. Do we really want e- equality of men? No, we don't want to be men. We want to be women. We want to be women. We want to be appreciated for what we have, we, for what we are, for what we do. The minute that you put a monetary value on someone as a soul, and by that I mean an hourly wage, right? You completely take away who they are because you have reduced them to a number. So I don't think that a man and a woman can ever do the same job in exactly the same way. So you cannot compare what they what they make in, in the way of money. Then when you talk about power, you know what? I'm a woman, so I should be able to have the same job that you have. Well, Okay, but that's not really what you want to do. You're just trying to make a social statement by saying, I could do it just as well as you. Would you ever actually be happy doing it? Okay, maybe you would. Maybe you would. But then that begs the question, if you really were good at it, and if you were really doing it for your own happiness and for your own fulfillment and your own success, Do you know that you would get that job? You would have that opportunity, maybe not necessarily in a corporate setting, but maybe that's because you need to not be in a corporate setting. You could open up your own practice. You could have your own company. You could have your own business doing whatever it is that you want to do. And this is another thing that I tell people. I love to tell people, I'm a Christian. I've been baptized for 30 years as a Christian. Proverbs 31 says, that a good wife, a good woman has her own company. (laughs) God even thinks that a woman can run a business just as well as a man, in some cases, even better. Um, But the point is, she can make her own money. She manages her own money. She has a very organized life. She has a lot of control over everything going on. That's real power. If you have to demand something politically, if you have to enforce it legally, then it's not real. Women, we have power that's very real. Do you know what kind it is? It's power over men. Now, let me just ask this. Anybody who's out there listening and they want to go ahead and cast a vote on the BBS radio page, (laughs) what is every man's greatest weakness? That's right, women! (laughs) I don't care what he's able to do. I don't care what he can do when there is no woman around. He may be very smart. He may be very physically strong. He may be very charming and charismatic. He may have a lot of talent, a lot of skill from training and experience. He may have a whole lot of just about anything. Do you know the minute that a woman that he is attracted to enters his physical world and she does whatever it is that she, you know, is going to do. If she gets to him, she has completely accessed his place inside of him where that little button exists. All she has to do is push it and he'll become completely incapacitated. 
So think about this now, ladies. If a man is only as strong as his weakest link, every man's weakest link is a woman who has influence over him. Now, that could be good influence. It could be bad influence. It could be love. It could be vengeance. It could be any kind of power. The fact is, what does that mean for us as women? Even if we never got um, political influence, even if we never got the monetary compensation, even if we never got the social power, right? In a, in a restaurant, when we walk into the restaurant, you know, we don't want men to look at us. Well, do we? Yeah, we kind of do, but not that way. Well, okay, then what way? Well, well, but we want him to want us, but don't, no, but we don't, I don't need you. What do you mean? How about if we're really and truly good, happy, calm, confident, powerful within ourselves with our positive energy people we can walk into any room and have complete peace of mind because true peace of mind is not about political power and it's not about monetary abundance and it's not about social influence it's about being content and satisfied within yourself so one of the things that I've told people, my, my friends actually more than my clients, because I do tell my clients a lot of things very openly. I'm kind of like Dr. Phil that way. One of my favorite, um, I don't know, because uh, she yeah, she was feminist, uh, Roseanne, political. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, shoot, I'm thinking in Spanish now. Um, social, right? Influences of the 80s late kind of mid to late 80s Roseanne Barr when then she was Roseanne Arnold she had a television show a sitcom just called Roseanne and she was the pioneer for women all over the country she really did have the intentions of speaking out for women one of the favorite shows my favorite shows of hers was when her sister was having a hard time with the man she was trying to date. She didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to say. Well, should I do this or should I be this? Or I don't know if I want him. Do I even want him in my life? But I don't need him, but I just like him so much. It was good. And Roseanne, she said, oh my God, you're giving me a headache. Just shut up and call him already. And she's like, well, you know what? You, don't you judge me because you got lucky when you found this man. You think, how many women get someone like Dan? Okay, so don't even judge me for this. And she turned around and looked at her sister and said, are you kidding me? Are you insane? Do you think he came out of a box like that? I put a lot of time and effort and work into Dan. And he's still got a long way to go, obviously. Okay. But it's not about finding a good man. It's about doing the work to make a great relationship a lot of the people who know my husband, they think I'm very lucky to have such an amazing man in my life. And I say the exact same thing. You don't actually think he came out of the box that way. No, the reason he's good to me, the reason he does treat me like a queen. Yes, he does. After 26 in, in July, it'll be 26 years of marriage. He treats me with honor and dignity and respect and affection and love because I still act the way I did when we were dating. I give him consideration and respect and dignity and love and I'm fun. You know what the truth is? You're always going to have problems. You don't have to be a nag. 
and you don't have to be high maintenance and you don't have to be confrontational. Women, when they fight, when we fight, ladies, do you know men's threshold goes down so much? They immediately, they immediately say, okay, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. Just stop. Just stop. You're making me crazy. Another one of my favorite scriptures is it's better to sleep on the corner of a roof than in a warm bed with a witchy woman. A lady who's looking for a fight, you know what? She's always going to win because no one wants to fight with a woman looking for a fight, an angry, confrontational woman. Well, okay, we women, we can go toe-to-toe, but men don't ever want to do that. So let's think about this now. Women and our power over men. We may not have the physical strength that they do. We may not have the external circumstances, depending on the country that we live in, right? We might not have the same opportunities to resources, but what we have in ourselves is talents and abilities and uh, emotional strength and generosity, real, real strength of soul, we have and the ability to multitask science has actually shown that we go from one side of our brain to the other more quickly than men do so even though we have even the same number of synapses within our brain men stay in one spot women go to many 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 different places oftentimes at the same time so we're able to do things called multitasking okay we have gifts and talents and strengths and abilities just in our natural Um, biology that men appreciate and they love and they like and they need they need all day every day right men can be truly happy with a woman and they can be truly miserable with a woman so when you have power when you really do have power over a man how do you use that power ladies and when we're talking about using that power do do you feel an accountability that's the key accountability now responsibility that's a a fluid concept in this country in this day and age sometimes you know you're responsible if you want i'll just take part of it and if i don't want it i'll walk away accountability we are responsible to each other And we have to render an account for what we say and what we do. The fact that we don't want to, well, you know what? That's why most of us are miserable when we just genuinely say, I don't care about you. Because you do. We do. We are are made. We are built to care. When we convince ourselves that we don't care, the quality of our soul is reduced. The quality of our life goes down. We do actually have to care about people and how they feel, what we say and what we do, how it affects them. It really is important to stay positive in the way that you feel about yourself. And that is contingent on feeling positive about others. Anytime you tell yourself that you don't care what others think about you, you're you're lying to yourself. And one of my favorite stories to tell people is when I was a very little girl, my father pulled me aside and he said, honey, 
you can lie to strangers and you are going to miss out on great opportunities. When you lie to your friends and family, you're going to die alone. But when you start lying to yourself, you are losing everything you are because you start to believe your own lies and your entire life starts to fall apart. You know what? When you start believing your own lies, you may as well pack it up because you have no life left. And he walked away. And I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. Why is he telling me this? How often do we lie to ourselves? A lot more than we think. And when I was around, I want to say six, seven years old, my mother started taking me to a a congregation, an organization. They actually called their religion the truth. And I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's uh, (laughs) pretty presumptuous of you, don't you think? But what I realized as I was going to those groups was people did care about each other and they were accountable to each other in the way they treated each other. And every time you had a question about anything, they believed that the Bible was the truth. And so everything that they answered when it came to questions or challenges, well, what about this? And why did it say this? And what does this mean? And I don't think I agree with this. And they always used the truth of the Bible. Now, not all religions believe that the Bible is the word of God. That's okay. But the fact that every time I had a question, it was the absolute truth. That made me know more and more and more that what my father said, telling yourself lies is doing yourself a greater disservice than anybody else. Telling yourself the truth comes with accountability and responsibility. So when I started my practice and I had, you know, different clients coming to me, they came to me with questions. Then it came down to, well, do you really want to know the answer? Because you know what? Unlike your shrink who lets you sit and complain for an hour and then asks you, and how does that make you feel without actually answering any of your questions and pulls out a a pad to give you some pills to go away and keep coming back for 15 years. No, when people came to me with questions, I gave them very honest, very direct, very specific answers with a very strategic game plan of exactly how to reach their goals based on the accurate information of their personality profile. You know what? I've had more than a few people walk away because they came right out and owned it really right out just just said I don't want to do the work (laughs) this is just too much work or I'm not ready to deal with this I'll give you a call as soon as I'm ready to look at myself in the mirror and see what's actually there or hmm you know what I think I have a few other things I need to work on first some people just said forget it I'm not going to do this and I think you're full of it and I want to go away but they knew that the information that I gave them was accurate and it was true How much of what you say and do for yourself is true? How much do you want to acknowledge that relationships are important to you? Now, you may say certain negative relationships need to be excluded from your life, but that's not because you don't care about them. It's because you do care. And if there's something bad going on in your life that's stopping you from being successful, then you have to care in order to get rid of it. That's the difference between proactive and reactive. And that's another reason why people come to me for relationship advice, because they see 
some of them have seen for 25 years, the different challenges that my husband and I have faced, there are certain answers to questions that people are amazed to hear from me. When I tell them how I am with my husband and how I am with my kids, I actually tell my kids, no, daddy first. When I'm done with daddy, then I'll take care of you. Do you have any idea how much flack I got for that from feminists? That I would actually think that, yeah, I do wash my husband's feet, that my husband is more important than my kids. You know why that was the right thing to do? Because that showed my kids that men, first of all, are the head of the house, because I do believe that my husband is the head of the house, that when a man and a woman are working together, when they are on the same page and they're feeling the unity of the support and appreciation and the personal care of each other when they turn as a couple to look at their kids and say we are now going to work together to take care of you in the best possible way in a really good mood the kids will absolutely say thank you and they'll take it and in the future when when you say you know what your dad or your mom over here is having a hard time. Do, do you need this right now? Most of the time they will say, you know what? Go ahead and, and go get both of you in a good mood. Come back when you're in a good mood. And that's, again, when it comes to relationships, the key to relationships. Get in a good mood. Get yourself in a high quality state. Let me ask you this, ladies. How many of the men in your life do you know that if their wife or their daughter or their mother came to them and said, you know, I'm really upset right now and I just can't believe this person was doing this to me. You need me to make you dinner? Fine, I'll make you dinner. That They wouldn't say, you know what? Go ahead and do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Get yourself in a good mood so that when you come back, you're in a good mood when you're making dinner. I'd like to hang out and talk to you while you're making dinner. And... I'm going to want to sit and eat with you because you're really cool when you're in a good mood. And I really like what you bring into my life when you are in a good mood. I really, I really like the, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of cute. But, but the fact is a woman has the power to really, really create amazingly good things in the world, for people, for situations, for life and nature, there are a lot of things that can be done by a woman that can never be done by a man. Come on, guys, you know that. And the great thing about men, they don't want to be women. They don't want to do the things that we do. They know for a fact that we are exponentially more productive than they are in a practical daily way. They may be able to do one thing that they get paid for, right? Better than us, maybe two things if they're pretty talented. We can do 78 things a day, all at the same time, and all much better than a man. He has no problem taking a step back, going, go ahead, sweetie, go ahead and do it. If you go to a man who's not a jerk, again, feminism was, was to repel jerks and to take a stand against horrible people. Most men are not horrible jerks, okay? Real men, just the average daily man, when you're interacting with him and you say, I really want to be good quality for you, which translates to in a good mood. I want to be in a good mood and fun to be around for you. 
this is what I need from you or this is what I need to be able to give myself before I take care of you, how many men would say, no, I don't want you to be in a good mood. No, I want this right now and I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you need. I don't care what you think. Me first. That right there tells you he's a jerk and you need to get him out of your life because no quality soul would ever say, I care more about myself than about you so much that I don't care if you're in pain, if you're hurting. What I want my, my listeners to know about me and about the way that I coach, and then the next few shows are going to be about different topics. It's about getting yourself in good, high quality, and that will attract high quality people into your life. And then when you have that state, when you are in that condition, when you have that mindset and functionality and the good people in your life have that in common with you, all you need is the information. You know what? You got to give me the instruction manual on how to make this work because I happen to have some great people here, but I'm all thumbs and I don't know what I'm doing. Then having the information, the specific answers to the specific questions is going to be the key to success. There's no such thing as inertia. When you are interacting with others, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Everything that you do with other people is not about the activity, the performance of what you've done. It's the energy behind how you are doing it that's going to determine the effect that it will have on everybody, on the world around you, even people who aren't directly around you by extension, because the energy is going to continue to be moving and continuing and flowing between you and the people in your life. Now, when you're talking about what you genuinely need, do you know what you need? You might not. Because Again, I think just with the mentality of capitalism and a lot of political passion, okay, people forget what really makes them happy, what's important to them. I told my son this morning, because he slept in and, and I was giving his father and sister some breakfast. I actually made hamburgers for breakfast. I said, do you know that when I gave your dad his hamburger, watching the look on his face of absolute ecstasy. <laughs> He's an SP. He loves food. That meant more to me than the money that I made the previous week. I made a lot of money writing some books. Okay, uh, the, the influence that I have over 18,000 people on LinkedIn or the awards that I got, the accolades that I've gotten for the work that I've done, the titles that I've, do you know that seeing his face with that pleasure on it, knowing that I was the source of his pleasure, how much did that mean to me? And he said, oh man, that's everything. That's everything to you. Does that mean I'm not a confident woman? Of course not. It just means that the man who is the most important thing in my life 
is my happiness, my, my energy, my focus. That's part of the reason why he treats me so well. Because when he sees that I'm being loving to him and that I'm giving to him and that I'm respectful and that I'm generous, I serve him before I serve myself. His response is, sweetie, if you need to take a nap, take a nap. Why? Because when I get up, I'm going to be more inclined to do that again, won't I? How many men out there would love to have a woman who takes excellent care of herself, not only to do great things with him and for him and around him and to him, right? In a really great way, in a really great mood. It's all about giving and taking, taking what people give you and appreciating it, understanding that relationships are about accountability, responsibility. We all know that we all have needs. And the fact that I've been married for 25 years and my kids are growing up and they're of ages now where they're about to move out, I can sit and talk to my husband and say, okay, you know what? Our landlord is going to kick us out because they've got plumbing issues now in our building. Should we go to uh, Squim or Mexico? (laughs) Okay, that's a pretty big question. But the fact that we're friends and we work together, people think that I, like Roseanne, I, I got lucky. I found someone like my husband. No, I've invested a lot of time in my relationships because I also think And this is another big part of me, that when I signed on the dotted line, when I was getting married, I was signing a contract of a job description that I was committed to sticking to my job description. The fact that I signed up with a good man, that that man's name, right, on that line of the contract, yeah, he's he's some good stuff. I got a good one. That's only part of it. I'm not going to get divorced because I'm willing to continue to do the work. That, again, is the principle of accountability. You have to give and work and continue. When you have the mentality of, I'm going to continue to do the work, that makes your approach and your perspective more productive and more constructive and more successful because you're willing to keep going instead of walking away because you're not selfish. Anytime you're selfish, your relationships will fail. I don't care if you're with the perfect person. You could be with the absolute perfect soulmate for you. You're still not going to succeed. You're still going to get divorced because selfishness, self-centeredness, my needs first are going to be what ruins a great relationship for you. I really love the fact that I had amazing people in my life. My mom was a single mom. And so what she did with me, what she tried to do with me, you know what? It it didn't work out too well. But when she started taking me to these congregation meetings and there were 150 people every week, three times a week that I got together with and that I got to be around They were some amazing people. They were very humble and they were very generous and they were loving. And that was what made up for 
what my mother wasn't able to give me and what she wasn't able to do for me. I'm going to try really hard not to get emotional right now, but there was there was a congregation and it never occurred to me at the age of eight that it was kind of bizarre that one of my best friends was a 48-year-old man. But when you sit next to adults and children in the exact same room, they don't send you anywhere else, and the elders have to raise their hands to answer the questions, and the kids get up on stage and give presentations, you just don't see numbers, at least an INTP like me doesn't. But I was very, very lonely, and I was very angry for a long time, and I would go up to the elders, and I would ask them questions, and I would tell them my life story, and I would dump all over them, and they would listen to me, and they would give me helpful advice and encouraging support. And that was a long time ago. That was 35 years ago. Well, a few years back, my husband and I were driving down to Puyallup, and I saw the building where I used to go as a little girl and and my husband saw me getting all misty-eyed and he said, hey, baby, you're thinking about Brother Whitmire, aren't you? And I said, yeah, just I, I wonder what he's up to now. I know I'm probably never going to see him again, but I think about him a lot. Well, we were pulling up to the assembly hall. We were getting together for a Spanish meeting and it was, you know, 900, 1,000 people. And I kind of was walking around in the big crowd and from a distance, I thought I saw him. I actually saw him. Oh, my God. And I walked up to him. And, and as I was approaching him, my heart was starting to race. And I couldn't believe it. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe he's here. And I put my arms around him. And I whispered in his ear. I said, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you're here. I can't let go of you. I really want to let go of you. But I don't think I can let go of you. <laughs> and he started to laugh. He put his arms around me. And he said, it's okay. You don't have to. I'm not going anywhere. And I took a few breaths. And I let go. And I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, of course. I said, I know it's been a lot of years, but I've been thinking a lot about the way I was as a child. And I just wanted to say I'm really sorry for what I was to you. And But if you could be honest with me now, if you could just describe me as a child in one word, what word would it be? And know that I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I can handle the truth. I just got emotional because I love you, and, but I'm fine now. How would you describe me? And he got real quiet. And I thought, oh, man, I shouldn't have asked him that. And then he, he got a smile on his face and he said, enthusiasm. I said, what? That's almost a compliment. What are you talking about? You're making me sound like I was a good thing. And he said, we knew what was going on with you. And we understood why you were the way you were. And it didn't upset us. It didn't bother us. And we just wanted to give you what you needed and whenever you needed it. I said, so you, did you love me? And he said, yes, we love you very much. That, that, my listeners, my friends, my family, everybody, that's all anybody wants. This show is about relationships. That's a little bit about me what my shows are going to be about, what's yours, what's mine, and what's ours. Thank you for listening. I'll see you here same time next week. I'm Gabrielle Cardona. This is BBS Radio. <laughs>